Hey, and welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about a story that to me kind of represents the end of the Old West and the, the dawn of the new modern age. In 1916, there were still a few isolated communities in the western part of the United States that still had stagecoaches operated operating. These were non-tourist uh, stagecoaches. These were rail stagecoaches that people relied on. The last uh, one that was still operating that I could find any evidence of that was still operating um, that wasn't tourist related was all the way into the 1920s in a small town called Young, Arizona. Um, when, when a paved road was finally built to Young, Arizona, the stagecoach operations ceased to exist. The first couple decades of the 20th century were a time of rapid modernization. Cars, telephones, air travels, travel, radios were all becoming more and more common. Yeah, in the rural areas of the United States, the Old West was still hanging on, at least for a while. Our story begins on December 5th of 1916, right along the Idaho-Nevada border. That night, there was an extremely heavy snowfall. Up to four feet of new snow fell on a small town called Jarbidge, Nevada. Gold had been discovered near Jarbidge in 1909, and the population swelled to 2,000 people. Jarbidge is in a canyon surrounded on both sides by tall canyon walls. The town is 6,200 feet in elevation, and so snowfall it's very common. Even today, Jarbidge is a long ways from any other town. On that day, December 5th, 1916, that was payday for the miners in the area, and they were eager to get their hands on their hard-earned money. As the day wore on, people wondered where Frank Searcy, the man driving the stagecoach from Rogerson, Idaho, was. Searcy was bringing $4,000, that's about 100000 in today's money, uh, the 65 miles from Rogerson, Idaho, to the mining camp of Jarbridge. The people in town expected, uh, they were waiting and waiting. He was late getting there. The people in town expected maybe the heavy snowfall was causing the delay. With afternoon well underway, the postmaster sent a man named Frank Leonard to look for the stage. A few hours later, a cold and tired Leonard returned and announced he had seen no sign of Searcy or the stagecoach. A search party was organized. Um, before they set out, a phone call was made to a woman named Rose Dexter, who lived a few miles out of town. The woman reported that Circe had passed by and they had waved at each other a few hours ago. The search party set off. They quickly came up upon the stagecoach just a half mile out of town. There in the driver's seat sat the dead body of Frank Fred Circe. Someone reported hearing a gunshot around 6 p.m., after investigating the area, the search party concluded that somebody had jumped out from behind sagebrush, jumped onto the back of the stage, and shot Searcy point-blank in the back of the head. Searcy most likely never saw it coming. 
It was dark and cold, so the search party returned to Jarbridge for the evening and figured they'd come back in the morning. In the morning, evidence was collected at the crime scene. One piece of evidence was a long black jacket that matched the one belonging to a drifter named Ben Cool. They found dog prints, and they followed the dog prints to the creek. There was a dog. He was digging up a money bag, which was cut open, all $4,000 gone. People realized the dog was the same dog that was always following Ben Cool around. Ben Cool and his two associates were arrested after this evidence was found. They were taken to uh, Elko, Nevada for trial. Cool was the first to stand trial. His defense that he was that he had been in the saloon all night. However, several people at the saloon had noticed that he had left for about an hour. This would have given him more than enough time to go commit the heinous crime and get back to the saloon. At the crime scene, a bloody envelope was found. On the envelope was a palm print. A bloody palm print. Forensic, forensic experts matched Cool's palm print to the one on the envelope. This was the first time a palm print was used as evidence in the U.S. courtroom. The trial dragged on for 18 days. In the end, he was found guilty and sentenced to death. However, after appeals, his sentence was changed to 28 years in prison. He spent the next 28 years in a prison in Carson City, Nevada. He raised chickens at the prison. He was released from prison in 1945. After that, he disappears from history. I could find no evidence of what happened to him after 1945. His associates had much lighter sentences of only about a year. So, there you have the story of the last stagecoach robbery and the first case in which palm, a palm print was used in a trial to convict someone. The, for Jarbidge itself, the mining operations ceased in 1932, and like many mining towns, the population decreased. But it didn't become a ghost town. About 100 people still call the small town home. Today, tourists come for the natural beauty and the isolation. There, if you choose to visit, you can see the ruins of old mining cabins, a former brothel, a community center, which has a small museum about the area, a store where you can put gas in your car, a couple small gift shops, a small hotel, and a restaurant. People come to hike, fish, and relax. If you ever visit, make sure to take a look at the old jail in which the stagecoach robbers were held after their crime. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this.